Hey guys. Well, as you listen to this, we are all enjoying summer and just basically family vacation. So we're down in Florida enjoying some much needed R&R with our family and our friends. But before we went, Alan did an interview with some very special guests. Yeah, a few weeks ago, I got to interview two guys, Corey Westerhold and Aaron Martin. Both of them are living in Silicon Valley in California. They've both worked for some very interesting companies like Twitter, Yahoo, Facebook, and Apple. But I didn't interview them because they've worked for companies I like. I interviewed them because they make one of my very favorite apps for iPhone and iPad. This is a little departure from our normal podcast format, but I think you're going to love the conversation I had with them. It covers the Bible, Apple products, design, excellence, fonts, topography. If you already use their app, I'm sure you've appreciated the care they put into building it. And you're probably going to be interested in the details of the behind the scenes. If you haven't used their app, I bet you're going to want to after this. So without further ado, here's an interview I recorded with Corey and Aaron, the geniuses behind my favorite Bible app, New Bible. Now, the first thing I want to ask you guys is, am I pronouncing the name of your app correctly? It's Nuevo Eble. <laughs> no, you're, you're, <laughs> no, yeah, New Bible is correct. Well, well, here's the thing. You know, Helvetican New is the way I pronounce it, but I heard some people call it Helvetica Nue, and I was like, is it Nue Bible? Like, uh, I, so I didn't know what the story was uh, behind the name. Yeah, I think I've heard uh, Helvetica Noia, right. uh, which I believe is what the Germans will say. All the insufferable designers that we know call it Helvetica Noia. So. Yeah. So I like to not be insufferable. So I'm just going to say new. Yeah. All right. Well, depends on the, the crowd that I'm talking about it with. Exactly. You'll adjust your parlance to, to the level of uh, designeriness in your audience. <laughs> so I, I just realized I didn't even introduce yourself. So please introduce yourself to our audience. Um, cool. My name is Corey Westerhold. Um, I am a co-creator of New Bible. Um, live out in Silicon Valley. We're in Palo Alto right now. I'm Aaron Martin, uh, the other co-creator of New Bible. I also live out here in California. Uh, well, we're just thrilled to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on and, and talking to yeah, us. Yeah, thanks for having us. I guess my first question that I'm itching to know is, how did you end up deciding to make a Bible app? Talk to me about the process of why you wanted to do this. Um, I guess it started, for me, probably... The narrative I've kind of been like throwing out there has been, oh, it was like just a few years ago after we moved to California. But honestly, it was it was much longer ago than that. I, I lived in New York City uh, for several years before my wife and I moved out of California. And um, I remember the big thing for me was the iPad. And I remember when the iPad came out, um, I think it was the ESV released uh, uh, their version. They had at the time, like I think, made like the most beautiful Bible app for the phone, and it had this really nice navigation where you hit like kind of the book, you know, the book list, and it kind of like was this like dark, you know, scrim that lived over the top of the Bible. It was just beautiful, like large, thin type. And um, when they moved that over to the iPad, um, I remember using that at the church I was going to at the time. It was this church called Trinity Grace um, down in Chelsea, and uh, like seeing it on the iPad and it just being such a great experience. And at that time, like remembering like, Oh, you know, this is great, but there are a few things I would do differently, like as an app designer and, um, had this like thought back then, this is probably, yeah, 2010. Yeah. Um, that I, you know, 
I, it'd be fun to like do a project like this. And then that just kind of, you know, like sat there and then several years later ended up moving, you know, out to California. And, um, we, when we moved out here, my wife and I were looking for churches. And, uh, at the time, like, you know, I remember sitting one of the churches we were visiting, um, and wondering myself like, Oh man, it'd be like great to, like, I didn't have a paper Bible and it'd be great to like use a Bible on my phone while we're at church. And, um, um, cause this, the church we were at, like, didn't project like the verses, like a lot of like modern churches that like project the verses up onto the screen. It's like, wow, why do I need to use a Bible? Um, but like this church didn't. So I like, I downloaded a bunch of apps. And I just remember all of them just kind of being subpar and even the ESV, like being very similar to the way, it, very similar to the app that I had used like several years prior, you know? Right. And so, um, at that time I was just like, oh man, like I need to do this now, you know? And so, um, kind of came came home one day and just started like scratching around in photoshop a little bit and seeing what came up and came up with some i think pretty good ideas um and aaron is a buddy of mine and we know each other actually from from a decade ago i guess back yeah like 2004 yeah we both worked at this magazine called relevant and um at different times he worked right before i did and right after he left i came in and worked there but um yeah i remember aaron and i were hanging out one day and i just like threw the idea by him you know about like designing a bible app um, and showed him a couple of my kind of like early screens and he was really into it. But, um, at the time I, I worked at Apple, I think you were at, were you at Hightail at the time? Um, or AOL yeah. Still maybe? yeah, I would left AOL. Okay. So I was at Hightail. Um, and we just weren't in a position to like be able to do anything about it. And, um, uh, so it just kind of like sat on the shelf, um, literally. Um, and then a couple years later, so this was 2013, maybe talking about yosemite trip the yosemite trip 14 2014 yeah spring 2014 we were uh we went on a camping trip to yosemite um and when you're camping in yosemite you just have like a lot of time to talk and and be alone together um that sounded weird um but yeah we we were just like you know on this road trip it's like a five-hour road trip from where we live and just like kind of like chatting about stuff and and aaron had brought up you know, to me, he's like, you know, what's going on? He asked me a question, you know, what's going on with that, the Bible app? And I was like, I don't know, like, you know, I'd love to do it someday, but it just like, doesn't make sense. And he kind of, kind of pushed me on it. And he's like, well, you know, like, what if we just like did it, you know, like, what if, you know, we just did it, got it built and just like figured out how we got it. We could get it released because I couldn't like at Apple, I couldn't actually release apps. You can't like be a designer there and, and, or, I, I think an employee there and you can't be an employee and the, release the stuff store. to the app store. Right. Cause they, they'll, they'll own it is basically the principle. Anything you create your employer owns. That's fairly standard. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah, essentially. Exactly. Even if you do it off to the side. And so I was like, well, I can't do it. But yeah, Aaron was just like, well, we need, it needs to be done. Like I hate using the apps that I use. Yeah. I want to make something that I want to use. And I agree with them. And so we just like said, all right, let's do it. And, uh, which was a very easy decision to make amongst the, zero distractions of being in the wilderness. Yeah. Like yeah. we were free from all of the like tech trappings of like yeah. Silicon Valley and looking around and seeing all these and you're staring at yeah half giant dome. internet buildings and you're just looking at all of, you know, the wonder of God's creation. And it was easy to sort of just go, <laughs> let's yeah. just do it. And then the next day we got home and we realized <laughs> what it really looked like to do something. Yeah. Like <laughs> we didn't think about the immense amount of work that it was going to take. Yeah. So that's kind of that. Sorry. That was like a long walk for ham sandwich, but that was essentially like how the idea came about. It was easy to jump on to the idea just 
I had, you know, at relevant when I was working there, talked to a handful of like publishers and, uh, the idea of creating a Bible is just like a designer dream. Right. I just love it. And then the shift when I moved out here, um, my mind shift was going into church and realizing that more people were pulling out their phones mm-hmm. uh, to look at verses mm-hmm. than were physical Bibles. Um, so that just cemented the idea and the the drive that like we have to do this. One of the things, and I'm going to spread some major love for your app, and it's legitimate. It, your app lives on my home screen. It's it's my Bible of choice. Have you gotten the check that we sent you yet? <laughs> but well, you know, one of the things that you guys have touched on already, and it's the it's the situation I find myself in a lot. In that your your app is meticulously created. Thank you. And what I notice from a lot of people is it seems like design is a feature that it feels like most people have to be educated to care about. Mm. Now, hmm. not in the circles that you live in, I'm sure, but for the average person, like my reaction when I show people, you know, any app that I prefer to use over another app, but let's talk about Bible apps. You know, people would be used to using some of the commonly downloaded free Bible apps. And yes, they serve their purpose in that you can open them up and you can pick a translation and you can find a chapter and you can find a verse. So utilitarian wise, it does what it says on the tin, but there was something beautiful about opening up your app instantly. And then the more you use it, you know, you you probably read the same um, people as I do, but Sean Blanc has this, you know, wonderful book called Delight is in the Details. Mm-hmm. And there's a delight to using your app because of all these little details. And talk to me about some of the, I mean, I'm pleased to hear that you guys created the app for you primarily. You were like, mm, we're going to build this for us. And it sounds like there's enough like-minded people who also fell in love with the app. But talk to me about the challenges of of caring about design, because excellence is the sum of a thousand tiny details. Did you ever get to the point where you were like, ah, Let's not sweat those details. Or talk to me about that design process. Um, I think, you know, when it's 2 a.m. and you've been working on something, you tend to, like, wonder if that detail is worth it. But <laughs> I think that's the core of, <laughs> that's the core of, like, a quality design process is the design not in the details. The design is the details. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think, I think we, since we were crafting it for ourselves um, as, like, the, I mean, it wasn't the sole purpose, but we definitely wanted to make something that we would both enjoy to enjoy using immensely. Right. Um, and when you're making something for yourself, it's very easy to, to continue on that quest for that perfect thing, that perfect interaction. Sure. Um, we also had, I mean, Corey and I did a talk, uh, a tiny little thing at a church a couple of weeks back about, uh, design and Christianity and, it's just disappointing to see uh, design sort of not care about, about Christianity. Right. So I think it was easy for us to care about the design decisions and the details because we have this immense uh, love and care for the product that we're designing and creating for. Right. Um, And I think that's gotten lost in the church um, lately. Um, Design's not just something that you can throw on at the end or is not valuable. Uh, even though the message is where the power is, that doesn't mean we don't have to care and craft the best experience we possibly can. Right. right. So, yeah, Absolutely. Not to get 
like churchy with it or to get churchy with it. I mean, it's the podcast, but um, I, I think in a lot of ways, it's like, it's very similar to faith, you know, like if you think about like your faith and the way you live it out, like it's not just about like the things that you see, you know, like a lot of people think faith is like this outward expression, you know, it's like, you know, it's, it's things that I do or like things that I say or the, the way people perceive me, but like, it's so much deeper than that. And I think design is similar. Like design isn't just like, the way things something ends up being expressed and whatever you know whether it's a book or it's an app on a screen or it's like a website or if you know it's a fit like getting into like film and stuff like that like you have to care about these things and you have to like like you have to walk out your faith every day and and it's it's meticulous and you have but you have to consider it every day and, and all throughout your days and design is the same way like when you're thinking about a product like you have to consider every single little part of that product um and i think in a lot of ways too like you know, just we're both of us are, are very fortunate and lucky to to get to do the jobs that we do at the kinds of places that we do out here, you know, and you know, Aaron at Yahoo and me at Facebook and, and it is it is a tenant of the products that are you know we work on every day and, and I think that just pours over into the work, you know, and, and, and I think like, and this could be a, a long conversation, much longer than a podcast conversation. But I think for me, like my decision to go from working in the Christian industry, um, I, I, before I was at relevant, I worked at, uh, I was on staff at a church for several years. Um, Aaron, the same was the same thing. Yeah. And, and the decision to go outside of that and, and be in, put ourselves into environments that, that design was held at a, at a higher standard and valued more. Um, I think that basically that just like rubs off on you. you right. know? And, and I definitely think that's rubbed off on me. And so doing that every day and then going to work on a project that happened to be like very like faith centric, something like the Bible, you know, the things that like I'm exposed to every day in my day job has, I think in a lot of ways, just like, it wasn't me. It was just like the result of all the things that I've, scene and conversations i've had like kind of like oh spilling over into the thing that we work on you covered a lot of ground there some of which i'd love to unpack maybe at a later date the thing that really interests me is you mentioned a talk that you did a couple of weeks ago please tell me that was recorded and is available online because i would love to watch that and i know a bunch of our listeners would love <laughs> to watch that and if it is we'll um, put a link in the show notes it was recorded and it was definitely a it's something that we both care about. I think the concept and the idea, um, and it was more of a first rough draft. <laughs> I would say, I think self-aware enough to know that like we had a great idea and I don't think we hit it over the fence. I want to pick up on what you were talking about a little bit there, because it's important to note you guys have full-time jobs that don't involve making new Bible. Like, you know, you work at Facebook, you work yeah. at Yahoo, you guys lead busy lives. So it's important that people realize this is a labor of love. You built this app on top of having highly demanding jobs in Silicon Valley. Where do you A, find the time and B, how do you stay motivated? Because I find people have tons of motivation to start projects, but finishing them, boy, that's a different story. It's really easy to get a lot of, a lot of stuff done. Uh, if you don't want to sleep, <laughs> so, sleep is overrated. <laughs> sleep is yeah. incredibly overrated. What sleep? Um, uh, yeah. That's where we got most of our stuff done was after work. Yeah. Late into I mean, the it night. Was, it was basically like working two full-time jobs for mm -hmm. both of us. I, I really feel bad. So I had left Apple, um, and ended up getting a job at Twitter while we were, uh, we were building new Bible. Um, and a lion's share of the design work had been done, but we had just started, I think we started development 
late in 2014. I had just started my job at Twitter in 2014. And like, I definitely regret that in some ways because I don't <laughs> like, just being honest, like Aaron's like, give me a look. Um, like, I don't think I like performed as well or was as good an employee as I, I could or should have been at Twitter. Um, because I was so focused on this. So I think, I think like, how do you find the time? I don't know if I did find the time. I think it yeah. came at the expense of my job. And granted, like I, like I didn't get, I, I, I feel like I like was able to like course correct and like do some, some really great work and yeah. like, not be a complete waste of an employee. <laughs> no, um, I don't during think that time it was, it was tough. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's definitely tough. I mean, I got married and had a baby in the midst of all of it. Um, I mean, it's the fun thing to say, like, oh, we just stayed up late at night and pulled, like, the the TV show sitcom, like, startup together by, like, sweating and, like, drinking an 80s, Red Bull and, like, there montage. was an 80s montage. and But the reality was it was a lot of really hard work. Um, like, there's no magic potion to it. Yeah. There was nothing special that we did that anyone else probably couldn't do. It was just spreading ourselves very, very thin. And how did your wives respond to that? <laughs> <laughs> I still have a wife. I also still have a wife. So luckily. they responded well enough or I bought enough flowers that I made up for it. <laughs> oh my God. Um, my wife was incredibly supportive. Mm. Um, and I know Jocelyn has my been wife, yeah, immensely yeah. supportive as well. Um, yeah. She does... I'm going to say she does as much for New Bible as yeah, I do. Um, my wife is in PR. She's done PR for, for Slate Magazine on Slate.com for over a decade. And, and she's been like a very valuable, like, asset. She's and been it's immensely not just been like, valuable. hey, babe, can you do that? Like, she believes, I mean, like, I don't know if you know this part of the backstory, but like we, like New Bible was like completely bootstrapped. So we, we paid for it completely out of pocket. Um, and like, our wives were supportive enough to let us like Ugh. our savings yeah. into the thing. And, and like, that's, that's, I mean, you're married. I'm sure, you know, like that, that's a hard thing to do and to come to terms with. And, but anyways, yeah, I mean, she has PR and like, she was able to like, we had this the, on launch day. It was amazing. We were able to get this piece on the front page of, um, fast company about like what we were doing and it, which was like crazy. And it was like, I remember that morning, like us all waking up and me and Aaron were texting and oh. I was like crying and she was like crying. I don't oh, know Aaron was great. crying. I don't want to like put that on. I don't you, cry. It was, but it was just like, wow. Like regardless of like this, where this thing goes, cause you, yeah. you don't know if it launches something we were able to get like, Fast Company, the front page of Fast Company, the entire day to like have something about like a couple of dudes making a Bible. Yeah, which it is felt like a big step. Batty, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so that was like really, really cool. And like I couldn't have done that without her support. And um, I know because I know. I mean, just being married, like that could have gone a completely different direction. But yeah, yeah. I think our wives have been. I mean, late nights as well, working on New Bible. It was, it was great to have the support. And I don't think if Grace, my wife, wasn't totally on board, I don't think I would have been able to hang on. Mm -mm. It would have fizzled out for sure. Let me ask you this, because I'm, I'm fascinated in the behind the scenes details of how does one get rights to use the Bible? Because uh, probably a lot of people don't realize the Bible and all its different versions are copyrighted works of many, many people. So <laughs> does Zondervan just send you a text file? Or, I mean, talk me through how literally you turn a... I, I'm imagining just a raw text file that they send you into what we see on our screens in New Bible. 
Uh, how do you do that? Did you have to format and lay everything out and strip out footnotes? Tell me those nerdy little details. I'll let Aaron talk this. I I I can talk more about the like securing the right side of things. Yeah. But just from a pure implementation standpoint, Aaron and dealt with most of that with our our dev team. But um, so. Uh, um, let's see, try to figure out how to say this. There's no good digital Bible text file. Everything is just whatever each of these companies has decided to put together. So some of them, we got a, an ebook file, like a dot ebook. Oh my gosh. Um, that we had to HTML file. We got one of the translations was 60 plus. Um, HTML files. And I'm not saying that because I don't know how many books of the Bible there are, but because it was just random, some books were split in two and I, some XML files, we got one that was just a single text file um, with some weird sort of like XML type tags and languaging inside of it. Um, The short answer is there is no single good way. And I would absolutely love to spearhead a, real way like of normalizing the uh, normalizing format. how you show what a chapter is, how you show what a verse is, how you show what a footnote is. Which is, um, it, it's funny. Like it, it really makes you empathize with like all of the different, you know, developers out there, yeah. whether it be like the life church guys, whether it be like the logos guys, like everybody's, I, I feel like I've heard that there is a effort underway. This like this service, like, is basically unifying formats. Somebody I would love for that to happen, that to but, like that, but the reality is right now there is no single way that we got any of these translations together. Even if we got two XML files that were both just, that's the file type, the formatting and how they label all of the parents and children inside of these files is completely different. So we ended up having to build a localized sort of parsing engine. No, you didn't. Um, that resides inside of, yeah. So we have a, inside of new Bible, there's a, uh, we read each of these things, parse it out individually, build our own database and archive files, which is why our search and our navigation is so lightning quick. Um, we've had some speed issues with some of the older devices. Um, what we did was very, very smart. And that's all on the dev team. Like, Aaron's patting himself on the back right now. Yeah, you can't see it. it. <laughs> I just, just <laughs> looked at Aaron. my shoulder. Go Aaron. Um, I had nothing to do with that. Uh, the developers who built it like yeah. came up with a great solution. And what's crazy, like so we just more behind the scenes, I guess. So both Aaron and I are designers. Um, Aaron is like much more technically savvy and dev savvy i guess um i'm not even saying it right you can tell i can speak their language you can speak the language and i'm i'm just like not like i know like some you know like i can do a i can build a website but like when it comes to some of this stuff i'm just like completely out in the dark on the on the dark and the guys that we so we actually hired a development shop called hippo labs um they were based uh in canada and istanbul yes um were they in where were they in canada uh, Toronto, in Toronto. So Toronto and Istanbul. I mean, they weren't believers. Like they had no idea about the Bible, and like the fact that they were able to like build this thing, unaware of like what we were having. It was funny. Like on our dev calls with them, we were having to, in addition to like talk about like implementation details of the app, like talk about like 
well, this is how the Bible yeah. works. Here's know? what a it's verse formatted. is. Here's and, what a, f- which is, a reference is. Pretty, like, when I, I guess I've never thought about that. Like, when I think about it, I like, look back and, like, I don't know how he got that done. Like, that's pretty, incre- pretty incredible. It was, it was fascinating to, like, see them sort of pull the solution together. Um, but short answer, there's no easy way to do it. And after seeing that, I think the greatest amount of respect I gained out of all of this was for the development team at Life Church, yeah. who has gone through something like 300 or 400 translations and yeah, figured and out how dealing, to parse all this stuff. We we're have dealing with 10. a handful of translations. And we are honestly, like, we're only dealing with a handful. Of, we get emails, like, I would say probably multiple times a day. Yeah. Easy. Um, asking for all of these additional translations and all these different languages. And, and I think like it, it's hard to like say, well, you don't understand how, like not, you don't understand how it works, but you don't understand like how resource intensive it is to like pull each of these individual translations in. So like when I think about like just this small team, it's like me, Aaron, and we have this, our developer right now is this guy named Zach. Um, he's based in Kentucky like the three of us being able to do that at any kind of scale, it like just like doesn't, it doesn't make happen. sense, you know? And so, um, yeah, I, I, hopefully that answered your question, Alan. Well, I know that you said you get emails all the time about versions. It would be wrong of me not to have you captured on this podcast without, without pleading for a new living translation version. We, we originally were trying to get the NLT and it would, it just didn't financially like make much sense because I think they required, um, a pretty sizable deposit up front. That's the business side of negotiating. Yeah. yeah the the business side of translations is, is pretty rough. It's tough. Yeah. And, and like, we, you know, in retrospect, like it, it's been a learning process, but um, I think when it comes to like, Oh, you know, like it's not for a, a lack of want to do it. Yeah. Right? It's not like we, we don't like the do NLT, but it just, it's, it's, so there, you know, we just talked about like the technical, realities of of implementing these things but like the 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 business realities of like acquiring some of these translations is it's it's hard and i I think if we did this full-time like if this was our full-time gig um it would be much easier you know we or not easier but it would be more tenable sure um but like the fact that like we're doing these uh, things on the side and like i you know like can get to an email once maybe every week on this stuff or every you know a couple times a week versus like doing that every day it's just the, the the time it takes to like kind of facilitate some of these relationships is, is just tough when you're doing it on the sides. Yeah. Before we leave the technical talk, I, I found a great new use for New Bible that I hadn't thought about before, but I load it up on the iPad Pro. My wife has an iPad Pro user. And so I, I, I load up the passage, whatever passage I'm either studying or preparing a sermon on. And I mean, obviously it looks beautiful. We haven't even got to talk about your choice of typography and all of that, which is gorgeous. But so I I capture a page with with screenshot and then I import Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. into PDF Expert and then I mark up that passage with the pencil. And it's an absolute joy to use. It was another way of using your app in a new way other than just reading that I was like, oh, I love this. And I had some people around me watching me do this. That's great. Oh, that's, that's incredible. That's a game changer. I'm like, yep, it it, it really is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny when the iPad pro case, so I, I am also is, is your wife, she uses the 12, nine or the, yeah, she uses the 12, nine. Yeah. I have the 12, nine. It's like my favorite computer I've ever owned. And when we started, we, so we started working on the iPad, 
I guess back in January of this year, like the uh, technical side of it or just the implementation. We had started on the design side of it yeah. late last year. Um, and I remember like sitting down with some of the initial comps and like looking at margin margining the text and like looking at like the margins on the iPad pro and just being like, Oh my God, like this would be amazing. Just like sit here and read and be able to like, rather than like, just like, you know, tap and long press and hold and drag to highlight. I just want to like highlight with my pencil and I want to like leave notes in the margins of the iPad pro with my yeah. pencil. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely like tracking with you, but yeah, when it comes to implementing that thing, that's a rewrite. I mean, I don't, we haven't even like considered oh, it. I yeah. Don't know, yeah. I don't know if it's a rewrite. I think it's, it's like, how do you do it in a way that like makes sense for people? Cause like, that'd be awesome to do on the pro, but then how does that then carry over into the rest of your experience. You yeah. know, do you use OCR to basically like read those notes and like save those as notes in some format? Like I, I haven't gotten into thinking through that flow because yeah. it's, it's probably beyond what we're capable of at this point. Um, but I, I, I absolutely track with you that like, that would be an awesome thing to do. Yeah. My, that workflow of lay it out, screenshot it, mark it up. It's a joy because I, I, the reason I oh, stopped that's, reading, that's, cool. that's good. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't even thought of that. Mm-mm. The reason I stopped using a paper Bible is my Bibles would get stolen or I'd lose them. And with it, I would lose all my margin notes and my highlighting and my underlining. So oh, wow. now having that digital workflow, because essentially I'm left with PDFs that I can read anywhere of my highly customized versions. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that, that's cool to hear you say that. Like I, I've definitely like used it on my pro and been like, Man, that would be nice. If only I knew somebody that could do that. Yeah. <laughs> let me leave the technical talk for a little bit and let me segue okay. into I'm I'm fascinated to ask you about the spiritual climate in Silicon Valley. As as somebody who has always had a keen interest in technology, somebody who who has spent some time in Silicon Valley and I, I did my research paper mm-hmm. in, in Mountain View back when I was doing uh, oh, okay. my degree. And so I fell in love with Palo Alto. I remember eating at Il Fanayo and just loving that restaurant. But I've always had a keen interest. But looking from the outside in, I don't know why, but I never considered there was a huge Christian presence there because the whole world revolves around tech. Like if you come to Nashville, wherever you wander around, you know, where the buckle of the Bible belt, there's a Christian influence everywhere. I'm not saying that's great. When my time spent out in the Valley, it wasn't a noticeable Christian influence. So what is the spiritual Mm -hmm. climate like there? Like, do you feel isolated as believers working in a tech culture? Are you considered peculiar because of your beliefs or is there an openness for, you know, what you believe? Talk, Talk us about that. Give us an inside window on what life as Christians in Silicon Valley is like? Um, It's interesting. So I, just for background, like I actually grew up in in Birmingham. So um, I grew up in the Bible Belt in the South and and lived in that and existed in that till I was 23, I guess, before I left home um, or I left Alabama. And and so it's definitely like different than the South, obviously. Um, There is a I think there's a, a pretty good community of people here. Yeah. Um, I think what's interesting is like, I would almost expect it you to be seen as peculiar out here. Um, and, and I've definitely felt some, I mean, just being real, like, you know, you're, you're working at like a, in these companies, like there's a nervousness to like talk about that stuff. Yeah. Um, but I remember just anecdotally, like I remember, so the, the day that new bio came out I was, when I was at Twitter, um, I remember that evening, like I was getting ready to leave work and I, I 
parking was under the building. I had gone up to our like security office to like get my my var- my parking validated. And I got it validated and I'm walking out the hallway to the elevators and got stopped by this couple. And they're like, hey, you're Corey. And I was like, <laughs> and I had never met them before. And uh, I was like, yeah, yeah. How's it going? I have no idea. I didn't say I have no idea who you are. But I was like, hey, you know, yeah. And they're like, oh, man, like we saw about New Bible today. That is awesome. That's awesome to see somebody out here who's Christian, like just like owning it. And it's yeah. like, it was this weird, it was this weird moment for me because it's like, I didn't. I don't think we did this. I can't speak for you, Aaron. I didn't do this to say like, Hey everybody, like I'm a believer. Look at this thing that I made. I just like, I wanted something. Yeah. I I wanted a Bible that like, like didn't sacrifice quality and didn't sacrifice like thoughtfulness and design and just made that thing. It wasn't about like being a Christian. It wasn't about like, sharing my faith. It was just about like doing this thing. And, but like what happened after that was, was really interesting. So that happened one day. And then I remember like a couple days later, a couple of people like direct messaging me on, on Twitter and being like, Hey, you know, um, you know, like I didn't know you were a Christian too. Like we have this thing where we like get together. Like there's a few of us believers here and like we get together and have coffee once a week and we chat. And so I started going to that a little bit. Um, and so that was cool. And I, I think it's just like the the whole like everybody out here like does their own thing and it's kind of weird. Like you would expect to be looked at as a peculiar person, but I think because everybody's just like you do you, like it it's kind of nice because mm-hmm. I, I think in New York, so I lived in New York before that. Sorry, I, I'm long winded. Um, you definitely felt that. I definitely felt weird about like talking about like the fact that I was a believer, and I don't just personally, I don't like walk around and say like, Hey, Corey, I'm, I'm, my name is Corey. I'm a Christian. You know, like that's not how I believe that you should share your faith. Um, but out here, yeah, it's, it's, I don't feel weird about it. I mean, there's not a ton. It's not like the Bible belt, but yeah, I grew up in, I was born and raised in Southern California. So I've been in California most of my life. So a solid 32, 31 years I've been alive in California the rest elsewhere. Um, one thing I've noticed about California Christians, you know, is it's very purposeful CCs CCs, as we call ourselves. Um, I lived in Orlando, uh, for a bit and church being in the South was definitely much more of a cultural experience. Like there was that aspect of it out here. It was less cultural and more purposeful. Mm. Like you didn't go to church. You didn't go to church to, you know, hang out with your buddies and then go to Panera afterwards. There was less of that. And there was more of a, like an obvious commitment. Um, Mm. Maybe I'm projecting. I don't, I don't know, but that was always sort of my observation. Um, And the external view of California and its interaction with Christianity definitely, I think is it's ratcheted up a little bit as opposed to what it actually is. Mm. Um, I've never, hold someone I'm a Christian here, you know, and then have them push me into the street and like kick dirt on me. Uh, (laughs) I'd say the biggest reaction I've gotten from someone is, Oh really? Hmm. You're a Christian. Right. It's always the default is okay. Why, why would you believe that? Right. But whatever. So that's sort of the, the life cycle of the interactions I get most of the time is, Oh, I didn't know you're a Christian. Okay. That's weird. And then that's it. 
right. and then they move on and then you're back to i don't know talking about design or yeah going what to was, the movie. so what was interesting for me like moving out of california was i you know growing up in this growing up in the south um you always hear of california as being like the devil's playground yeah and it's like this it's gonna fall off into the ocean and it's horrible and it's dark and san francisco blah blah blah, blah. i don't get into that but um and then coming out here and just like realizing like not only like is there like a like pretty healthy church communities out yeah. here, very healthy churches um but like just the fact that like california is is pretty in general is i just felt like people were like lying to me back home you know it's like, <laughs> why are you trying are you secretly going there and right. like doing these things and um yeah yeah growing up in church out here um we definitely were sort of told that we were like the mission field. So even being out here in California, the church's sort of uh, point of view or their thought was that, man, we're in the trenches. We're out here in California. It's mm. the devil's playground. And I never really got that. It's about as much as the playground of the devil as any other city. <laughs> right. I mean, it's just, it's full of regular yeah. people who need Jesus just like they do in Nashville, Nashville or Birmingham or, you know, Iowa. So a broken person's a broken person. Right. It doesn't matter how broken. Well, I have to say that when I, when I saw your app initially, I was a excited that somebody was tending to the word of God with such deliberate care and intention. And when I opened it up and started to use it, I was like, oh, I am so thrilled to see a truly excellent app, independent of whether it's the Bible or not. You know, if it was just a, mm -hmm. you know, a, mm -hmm. an e-reader, just the way that navigation happens, the way that all of the the interface strips away until you need it, the really thoughtful gestures. I just loved that this was an A-class app in terms of usability, and then it was a Bible program. I just loved that somebody was. I, I think. The difficulty that we have as Christians is we have an awful lot of people with more um, influence than us speaking on behalf of us indirectly. So it's horrendous when we mm -hmm. see Christians on Twitter or Christians on the news or Christians who have a professing faith in Jesus, but then are saying things that are completely contrary to his nature or our values. And then we have to go into work right. and people are like, oh, you're one of those, which is probably why you're getting surprised. So to take that little dynamic and put it into the microcosm of the world we used we we live in which is apps technology to see somebody represent us well through your craft which is building apps it was an absolute joy because nothing would be worse than opening up a bible app that's getting a lot of attention and it's set in papyrus or it's just a terrible terrible <laughs> implementation do you know what i mean so i think you guys yeah. have done well, a great job papyrus was on our short list of stuff <laughs> to use so. yeah yeah i'm sure yeah just as somebody who lives on the other side of the country who moves in a similar circle as you guys do in terms of the things we appreciate, I was so thrilled to see something done with such excellence that represented things so well. And it genuinely thrilled me that, oh my gosh, there's app developers who not only love Jesus, but are fanatical about producing brilliant apps. So well done on that. Quite apart from the fact I love using your app, Thank you. I was just encouraged before I even had met you that you know there's christians out in silicon valley i know that sounds ridiculous and very short-sighted as if there's no christians in california i know that not to be true but nevertheless there's a point i'm trying to make in there somewhere and i'm not sure how well i'm articulating it. that's incredibly encouraging um yeah thank you 
we, when we started designing New Bible, we kind of, maybe it sounds a bit too much to say we hit a wall, but we were kind of frustrated with a couple of things. And then Corey at one point just kind of flipped it and was like, we're designing a reading experience. So that's what we need to do. So how can we design an excellent reading experience? And I think that for us, like it just opened things like light bulbs went off, you know? And, and yeah, like I think in a lot of ways we started making it for us. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think then we were hitting some of those walls and we had to realize, Oh, it's just like about being a great experience for reading. And I think in a lot of ways it's like, you know, like it, this needs to embody like a lot of the just points of view we have about interaction design and app design period, you know, like what Mm -hmm. would it look like to make an app that we think like contains all of the, the best like UX thinking and, and like gestures and all of this stuff that, that we would want to see in that period. It just so happened to kind of like coalesce in an app that we can make the Bible. And, and so I, 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 I'm really excited that you saw that and recognize that it means a lot. And it's something we talked about in our design and Christianity spiel. Taking away the fact that it was the Bible also help us, helped us uh, to be objective about it and not mm-hmm. just rely on the fact that it was this, it was the word of God and we could get away with not trying to craft the best possible experience. Mm-hmm. So taking that away and just trying to be objective about the design quality itself, I mm-hmm. think helped us push further than we probably would have if we had just stuck with this idea of, Hey, we're designing a great Bible. Mm. Well, I think you guys did a great job and you hit the nail on the head. It, Thank you. If, if you guys have not checked out new Bible, I would really encourage you to do it. It's an app that screams of intentionality. There's an obvious care for details that just adds up to a brilliant reading experience and a great navigating experience. And you're going to be the envy of everybody who's sitting to your left or right or behind you because people are going to be looking <laughs> like, hey, what, what, what app are you using? It's available for iPhone and for all sizes of iPad. It's my Bible reading app of choice, and I'd highly encourage you to check it out. Where can people find out more information about you guys and about New Bible? How can we find you on Instagram, Twitter, websites? Give us all those details. Um, yeah, so if you want to read more about kind of New Bible and, and all of the the details about it that you might not see just by using the app. Um, just, you can go to the website, uh, newbible.co. Um, I, both Aaron and I are pretty active Twitter users, maybe too active. Maybe a bit. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. Um, I'm, I'm Corey, I A M K O R Y. And I am, I am Aaron Martin. I A M Aaron Martin. You can also find us at we are dorks. <laughs> Apparently we have the same type of name. Um, I think I stole that from you when I couldn't just get Corey. Um, yeah. Then on, on Instagram, I'm that everywhere. I'm, I'm the I'm same Corey everywhere. I'm Aaron here. Martin on pretty much every social channel you could find. Um, my, MySpace is I'm Corey, um, Friendster. God bless MySpace. <laughs> I will put links in the show notes for everybody who wants to follow you guys and they can, awesome. they can link there. No problem. Um, but I super appreciate not only your efforts on the app, but taking time out this afternoon to talk to me. Thanks so much for doing that. Yeah. Yeah, man. I enjoyed it. All right. Well, thanks guys. Appreciate it. Did you have fun recording that babe? Yeah. I loved picking the brains of people who make delightful things. If you haven't yet checked out their app, please visit our show notes for this episode at alanandaj.com slash 110 and we'll post a link to the app and everything else that we talked about in that interview including links to their social media so you can follow them for now we're going to go back to the beach we hope you guys are having an amazing week join us next week for another different but brilliant interview 
while we're still on vacation. See you later. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games. Paleo donuts and the kindness of God are things we deal with every day. From Franklin, Tennessee, they are just like you and me. Alan and AJ, keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses, sharing their life experiences. Keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses, they talk about faith in God. And everything under the sun If you are a human being There's something here for everyone